Jesus taught us to pray. And before we rush into the requests we make to him, he told us how to address God. He taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. So there are two things there. One is to be absolutely convinced that God is our loving Father, a Father who loves us immensely, more than any earthly father. Jesus has always said that if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give only good things to those who ask him? We have many good fathers sitting here. And when Jesus said that, there must have been some good fathers in front of him. But he said, all of you are evil compared to God. And I would say that to every one of you, including myself. We are evil fathers compared to God. In other words, on a scale of one to hundred, God is a hundred. We are zero. We are not even one. So think of how much you care for your children, how much you sacrifice and provide for them. It is zero compared to God's love for you. If you don't begin there, it's no use praying. The problem with a lot of people who pray is they do not begin where Jesus told us to begin. Our Father. It's one of the great things in the New Covenant. Do you know that if you had gone to a Jew in the Old Testament and said, Hey, you can call God Father. He said, Oh, no. He's not our Father. He's God Almighty. It's a tremendous privilege, which I don't think we have realized fully. And no matter, we, even though we hear it so much, I remember in the early days, nobody taught me this. In fact, most of the truths I discovered by reading the Bible, because I sat in churches where just like today, you go to these churches, you don't hear the most important truths in scripture. So most of the time I would pray, Oh God, oh Lord Jesus, just you ask yourself how you pray. Oh God, Lord Jesus, very rarely will you pray, Father. If you don't believe me, you check your prayers in the past days and check in the coming days how you pray. Spontaneously, your prayer is not Father. You know, prayer is not Dad. It took me years to come to the place where I could look up to heaven and say, Dad, have you come there? It says the Holy Spirit cries out within us saying, Abba. If that were translated, that's a Hebrew word, by the way, from Romans 8, 16. The Spirit cries out within us saying, Abba, Father. Unfortunately, they didn't translate Abba. It's like some, I, I feel very sad that some of these words are not translated. For example, baptism. They shouldn't have put that Greek word baptizo into the English. They should have said immersion. That's the meaning of baptism. There'd have been no more child sprinkling if that was there. In the same way, Abba. They should have said, spirit within us cries out, Dad. Have you ever looked up to heaven and said, Dad? We were hearing about rest. 
And that's what I'm thinks, telling you. You cannot come to rest no matter how many messages you hear, no matter how many verses you quote, until you are convinced that God is your dad. Better than your earthly dad. And I was taught that when I was born again, but it was not a reality in my life for many years. I could not spontaneously look up and say that even in church, if I prayed in public, it would be, oh God, oh Lord. Very good. Nothing wrong in saying Lord God, but Jesus said, pray our father. Why don't we say that? Who do you think is making us not say that? It's the devil. He doesn't want you to be intimate with your father. It's like, you know, there are some of these songs like, guide me, O thou great Jehovah. I never sing that Jehovah because he's not Jehovah to me. There are many other songs like that where there's, there's no God like Jehovah. Uh-huh. There's no God like my dad. And so while others are singing Jehovah, I quietly say, Dad. Um, it's really true. I, I remember people once when I said that to someone, they said, isn't he Jehovah? I said, yes. But if one of my children came to me and said, Mr. Poonan, I'd like to talk to you. I think he's angry with me. He wouldn't call me by that name. I'd say, I'm Mr. Poonan to everybody else in the world, but to you, I'm dad. And that's what God is telling many of us. To the whole world, he says, I'm God, but to you, I'm a dad. I hope you will believe it today. Believe me, if you ask the Holy Spirit to fulfill in your life, Romans 8, 16, which says, the spirit within us, I think it's 8, 16, if I, um, yeah, no, sorry, it's 8, 15. The spirit within us cries out, Dad, ask the Holy Spirit to make that real to you so that it's not just because Brother Zach said it, or even because Jesus said it, but the Holy Spirit has come in and assures you the one who is in heaven is your dad. That's the way to come to rest. The rest that you were hearing Bobby speak about. The second thing is, our father who art in heaven, not uh, in heaven means he's got complete control of everything in the universe. These are the two facts that will bring rest into your life. One is the assurance of a dad in heaven who loves you more than anyone on earth ever loved you. Even when you make mistakes, a good father will not forsake his son if his son makes a mistake, even if it's a gross mistake. Yeah, a good father will not forsake him. He said, I'll stand by you. You know, the fathers who are willing to be imprisoned for the sake of their children, or they're willing to be hanged in place of their children. That, that's what Jesus manifested on the cross. God sent his son to be killed in our place. But one who rules in heaven controls, there's absolutely nothing outside his control. And as I've studied the scriptures, the most complete and uh, absolute statement of the sovereignty of God that I've found in the whole Bible is not in Romans 9 where it speaks of God's sovereignty. 
It's not in any of the apostles' words. It's in Daniel. And it's not in the words of Daniel. It's in the words of a heathen king called Nebuchadnezzar, who was an arrogant king who built Babylon and was so proud, he said in Daniel 4.30, isn't this Babylon the great which I have built? It was an amazing city, by the way, Babylon. I believe the walls were so thick that a four-horse chariot could ride around on the walls. It was so thick. And uh, this great which I built, I built it, and I built it for my residence, and I built it with my power, and I built it for my glory from man, through man, to man. It should be from God, through God, to God. Like it says in Romans 11, 36, from God, through God, to God are all things. But this is the opposite of that, Babylon. The mark of Babylon, Christendom today, Babylonian Christianity is plans that originate in man's mind, done through man's power and man's money, and done for man's glory. That's here, Babylon. He says, this I built, by, it was my idea to build it. I built it with my power, and it is for the glory of my majesty. And God said, okay, I'm going to humble you. A voice came from heaven saying, sovereignty, verse 31, has been removed from you, Nebuchadnezzar. You're going to be driven away, and you're going to live with the animals in the field. You're going to eat grass like cattle until seven periods of time pass over you. Now, I don't know how many that means, but it means seven years. Well, seven years, he was like a, the king, the ruler. He was the greatest sovereign in the world at that time. He became like an animal eating grass, and uh, his nails grew, it says in verse 33, the last part, like birds' claws, and his hair became like eagles' feathers. And the, God humbled him. He was eating grass like cattle, verse 33. At the end of it, God healed him. And he learned a lesson. And then he says in verse 34, I bless the Most High, the last part of 34, praised and honored him for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Now here, verse 35, is the verse I'm referring to. The most absolute statement of the sovereignty of God that I have found in any verse in the whole Bible. All the inhabitants of the earth, believers, unbelievers, every single human being is zero. That's the first thing he says. I've discovered that every human being on earth is zero before God. You won't be afraid of anybody now. Once you recognize he's a zero before our father who is in heaven. All those people who have power over you, who can trouble you, who can change your circumstances, who can make life difficult, your boss in your office, or it doesn't matter who, people who make a mistake, and because of that mistake, you suffer. He's a zero in God's eyes. And he does, this God of ours, this father of ours, does, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar didn't know him as father. This God does exactly what he wants in the heaven. In the heaven includes the second heaven where the devil dwells. The devil's on a leash. 
you know, the leash of a dog, you can only go that far and can't go beyond thus far and no further. That's how God, the devil is on a leash, like a dog is on a leash. God has allowed him to exist. You know, in Pilgrim's Progress, once the Pilgrim is walking through a narrow path and two lions are there scaring him and then he gets near, he finds both the lions are chained. They are permitted to come pretty close to the narrow way and bar, I mean, growl and roar, but they are on a chain. And once Pilgrim sees, oh, there's a chain there, he walks. Now, if you walk out of the narrow way into that path, they can bite you, but you stay in the narrow way, they can't touch you. So, in all the host of heaven, it's not only among the good angels, even among the demons in the second heaven, and the, he does exactly what he wills. Next. And he also does exactly what he wants among all the inhabitants of the earth. That includes those people you are a bit concerned about. He does according to his will. Those who have a difficulty with their mother-in-law. Do you believe that God does according to his will even with her? And no one, no one can stop his hand and say, what have you done? Nobody. Nobody can stop his hand. If God is stretching out his hand to do something for me, no one can stop it. If you don't believe in a father in heaven like this, the devil is smart enough to create some circumstance to bring you into unrest. Anxiety, tension, and you'll be uptight. And when you're uptight, you'll get easily upset with people and uh, irritated. And, you know, a lot of our irritation and getting upset with people is we are uptight about something else in our life. So when we are addressed inwardly, it makes a tremendous difference in our behavior to other people. We are relaxed. The secret of being in a good mood 24 hours of the day is to believe that I have a father in heaven. And I want to encourage all of you in future when you pray. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray Lord Jesus. We read in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul said, I had a thorn in the flesh and I prayed to the Lord. Definitely you can pray to the Lord Jesus. But we are told to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Father, I cannot come to you directly, but because Jesus is my mediator, the one mediator between God and men, I come in the name of Jesus to you. That's what the Bible teaches. So as I say, there's nothing wrong in praying to the Lord Jesus. We teach little children to pray to the Lord Jesus because they don't know yet what it means to know God as Father. But the sooner they come to know God as Father, the better. But that is what I have found in my life that brought rest into my life. I, I used to be a person frequently discouraged after I was born again. Discouragement and self-condemnation were very common with me. Anxiety, tension, wondering what will happen, how will this fellow is a, trouble me, or in different circumstances. Maybe we made a mistake or a blunder somewhere. We all make. And then we begin to think, oh, what will be the consequences of that in my place of work? Or what will be the consequences in some other situation? I've messed up some situation and it's going to be pretty difficult now. Some problem may come into my life. Only I may 
be ruined financially or something like that. You know what the answer is? Our Father who is in heaven. Dear brothers and sisters, this is the rest into which God wants us to come. This is the meaning of the Sabbath. In Hebrews, it says here in Hebrews and chapter 4, there remains, verse 9, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Adam went to work on the eighth day. I hope you know that. Not the seventh day. He was created on the sixth day. He had to learn to be at complete rest in God, even before sin came into the world. On the seventh day, experience that Sabbath of sitting and delighting himself in the presence of God. He didn't know God as a father, but at least knowing him as God. And then the Lord said, on the eighth day, now go. And if he had learned, if Adam and Eve had learned that lesson fully, when the devil came to them on the eighth day, they would have resisted him. But they forgot it. While they're sitting in God's presence, they say, yeah, I believe this is wonderful to be in God's presence. That's how we are today. But tomorrow you may forget it. And the devil comes. That's what you learn from Genesis chapter 3. They should have been in the Sabbath rest in Genesis chapter 3 also. In the presence of God. But then they didn't have the Holy Spirit like we have. But there's no excuse for you not to be in the presence of God tomorrow like you are today. Because you've got the Holy Spirit. So if you're in a Sabbath rest today, you must be there tomorrow. And the day after. All the time. It took me some time to understand this and to come there. But I tell you, it has brought tremendous deliverance in my life from bad moods. Never to be in a bad mood. 24 hours of the day, 7 days of the week, 24-7. I want to say to you, that is God's will for you. Why? Because we have a Father in heaven who does exactly according to his will in heaven and earth. Then we may have certain questions like, why did this happen? Why didn't God do that for me? Now, I don't want to go into all the verses, but you know that place in the Bible where it says, Acts chapter 12, James was imprisoned and Herod cut off his head. The apostle James, he's only 30 years old. And you question, didn't God have a ministry for this man? His brother John lived up to 95. How useful this man would have been if he had lived up to 95 as well. Long life was in the genes. His brother lived up to 95. And he's, God allowed his head to be cut off at the age of 30. And a couple of days later, Peter is imprisoned. And I don't have time to you read that in Acts chapter 12 sometimes. And the, God sends an angel to open the door and says, Peter, come out. And Peter comes out and goes to the house of one of the sisters there where a prayer meeting is going on, where they're praying for Peter. And he knocks at the door and they can't believe it's him. And he comes and speaks in the prayer meeting and says, God sent an angel to deliver me from the prison. And you know who's sitting listening there? James's mother. 
You know, if you were James's mother sitting there, or James's father sitting there, what would be the thoughts passing to your mind? Your son was beheaded two days ago, and here Peter comes in saying, "The angel opened the door for me." You know what the thoughts will go through your mind? Why in the world didn't God send an angel two days ago to save my son? Isn't he needed in God's kingdom? There's where you have to believe. Our Father in heaven. He does exactly according to His will. And you also need to know one more truth in that connection. That is in Isaiah chapter fifty-five. Isaiah fifty-five and verse. This has been a great help to me. to understand this god says my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways lord why didn't you send an angel two days earlier uh, this is james's mother asking in her mind uh, to the lord lord peter is here standing testifying he was delivered with an angel two days ago my son was there why didn't you deliver him answer the lord says my ways are not your ways How different are my ways from your ways? As the heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are different from yours. Don't question me. Today, Mary's mother, James's mother, is in heaven, and will be saying, "Lord, now I see why you took away my son at that time." And I believe all of us will say one day. the things we have complained about here on earth the things we question lord why this lord why that why that one day we'll be ashamed lord how i doubted your sovereignty you planned a much better thing if you if you had done it the way i wanted it it would have been a mess it all depends on do you believe you have a father in heaven who will never allow you 1 Corinthians 10:13 never allow you to be tempted beyond your ability never 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 i believe that with all my heart otherwise i couldn't face the future i can tell the devil to his face you can never do anything that to me that i cannot overcome because my father in heaven controls you you're on a leash satan you're on a leash don't be afraid to tell the devil that you cannot do anything to me through human beings or through circumstances which will be beyond my ability if it's beyond my ability god will not allow it to happen to me if it's going to be my ability one year from now it will happen only then it's like you know your children go from fifth grade to sixth grade they get a tougher exam they don't get that tough exam fifth grade because they're still in the fifth grade when they go to the 10th grade it will be still tougher this is how god leads us step by step If you believe these truths that I've shared with you and allow the Holy Spirit to make it real in your life, I assure you, you will not be in unrest. You will not live in anxiety. You will not have those bad moods that make life difficult at home. God bless you all.